Okay, welcome to the Take One Security Podcast. This is episode 31. And uh, I'm going to start with the news. So the FBI has doubled down against Apple. They are now saying they will force them to hand over source code and the signing ability to basically sign whatever the FBI creates if they don't comply with what they asked for earlier. Uh, this is pretty scary. I, I can't believe they're doing this. I, th- I saw a report earlier that basically said that uh, a lot of people in the administration think they made a major strategic error in trying to go after this. And now they're basically, uh, they're doubling down on it. They're, they're uh, just getting crazy with it. I, I can't believe they're going this far. Um, I think, I, I don't know what the situation is. I don't know what your recourse is if the FBI tells you to do something. Um, I imagine Apple will give them partial source code and like delay it and, you know, keep going higher in the courts and, sue or counter sue or i have no idea how that would actually play out but i don't see apple giving up and it looks like the fbi is not giving up either it, it's big mess and and what's really crazy to me is so many people in the government including the nsa is saying that the fbi is wrong so it just, it's ridiculous. It, it's like a wreck you can't look away from, but um, really interesting. All right, next story. Uh, there's some ransomware going out. It's a campaign called uh, Locky. Not Lucky, as this text says on this page right here. Um, yeah, Locky ransomware campaign. Uh, basically, it's a giant spam campaign. There's a JavaScript downloader. Basically, you need to make sure your um, anti-malware is fully updated. And, uh, yeah, don't follow links. Um, There's an X11 forwarding issue in OpenSSH. So if you have OpenSSH with X11 forwarding enabled, you need to update. You should probably just update anyway. Seagate Fish exposes all employee W-2s. That's no good. Apple acquired a firmware security company, uh, LegbaCore, last November, which is fascinating. Seems like they're probably using that to uh, build their super secure, <clears throat> not even they can hack it firmware, which I hope they hurry up on. Um, over 40% of firms don't know where their data is. <clears throat> this was a UK study. I've got the link in the notes. Doesn't surprise me. Um, I'm not sure how they got that number. <clears throat> I read the article. It looked okay, but <clears throat> I think that's more like between 20 and 90% of companies don't know where their data is. I mean, actually, it's probably more like between 50% and 90% of companies. Don't know. All depends on what kind of company, what kind of data you're talking about. Palo Alto firewalls can't update on leap day. 
this is something I found uh, last week, I think, or maybe the week before. Um, well, we know exactly when it was. It was Leap Day. So that was the 29th. Basically, uh, I tried to update my firewall on that day. And it gave me this really weird, nasty, barfy error. And when I looked up the the error code, it was a Python uh, library problem related to Leap Day, uh, which of course is every four years, there's a an extra day in February. And if you try to update your Palo Alto firewall on that day, it will not update, it will fail. Everywhere in the world, all times, every time. Uh, so they're aware of it. They're going to fix it. Shouldn't happen four years from now. I'll let you know. Um, drown attack vulnerability. So there's another SSL vulnerability called drown. And uh, it's basically a, another fallback issue with uh, TLS and SSL. Um, San Bernardino coins lying dormant cyber pathogen. Uh, Infosec Twitter sphere freaks out. <clears throat> so basically, they uh, they come up with this <laughs> this guy. This, I think it was a DA or um, yeah, pretty sure it was uh, lying dormant cyber pathogen. Um, came up with this term. And it's like using it all over the place. And basically, it's become the new meme on uh, on Twitter for InfoSec folks to be like, hey, you know, I know you got a cool product, but does it detect lying dormant uh, cyber pathogens? So that's the new uh, that's the new hotness in terms of junks. Note to self, turn off IM during podcast. Uh, all right, SQL Server coming to Linux. What the hell? That is crazy. Um, I, I'm excited about it, honestly. I, I love what Microsoft is doing. Uh, Linux runs the internet, basically. SQL Server is, uh, I'm not a SQL expert, but I understand it's better in a lot of ways than most of the offerings on Linux, so... Uh, I think this would be good. Rapid7 launches Insight DR, which is some sort of IR platform. Looks like um, like a managed rollout or hardware-based rollout of uh, of Honey tokens, basically. Um, that that's what it seems like it is. But there's probably also a hardware piece to it, a hardware component, kind of similar to like Canary Tools, it sounds like it might be. I don't know. I haven't looked too much into it, but interesting that they're doing it. Kind of heading directly in the direction of uh, Mandiant, I would say. Google hires 4chan founder to fix Google+. Plus. Um If you make enterprise hardware, prepare to get worried. Just read an article about AWS and how it's basically smashing enterprise hardware makers. 
So, so basically, uh, people like HP, IBM, Dell, they, they make all this hardware for people to put it in their data centers and people are just, they're turning off their data centers. They're closing them down. They're not expanding. They're going to Amazon instead. And of course, there's still, you know, uh, Azure and Azure and a bunch of other uh, services. But it's it's mostly an Amazon game and mostly an AWS game. And they're taking all the business from these hardware vendors. So um, most big companies that make hardware are pretty diversified. Maybe not Dell, but it's not the end of the world anytime soon. And you have to wonder what's going to happen when Amazon gets hacked, which you know is going to happen. Um, hopefully it'll be a series of small hacks and not some big, giant, earth-shattering one. Um, but that will put a blip in things and send people back to local data centers for one cycle, right? Because the cycles take some time to develop. But uh, it, it will cause a blip, but it will go right back within a couple of years to being... Uh, in the cloud. I think it's just inevitable and hardware makers need to learn how to deal with it. All right, next section, ideas, updates, and discussion. Uh, so my continuing discussion with Sam Harris about encryption. I've been talking to him a decent amount about it uh, over email. And uh, he has changed his mind. That, that's the great update that I have for you. Um, between the stuff I sent over, uh, he got a compelling argument from uh, an engineer at Google, plus the head of the NSA basically came out and said he's for end-to-end -end encryption because it makes the world safer. So Sam took that especially well and said he's basically changing his opinion on this. It's still in flux. He hasn't like decided, which nobody should be decided anyway, but... He's much more in line with, um, I guess, what the information security community thinks about the issue. So that's awesome of Sam to be willing to change, change his opinion like that. Out-of-band phone passwordless systems are going to make it much more interesting to hack your phone carrier. Uh, this is an interesting idea. I think I need to actually turn this into a blog, but uh, we basically... As we start using these um, phone-based systems, you really need to be notified via email. Well, you can't do it by phone. If someone changes your phone number um, and points it to somewhere else or takes it off your device, points it to another device, um, any sort of spoofing or hijacking of your number, if it is used as an access code to get into something sensitive, used to be not that important. Now it's going to be very important because people want to get off passwords and use their phone for their security. So expect phone companies to become a massive new attack surface. It's not new, but dramatically more magnified. Um, okay, got a political one here. This is an essay I wrote. I only include it because it's completely... Um, without bias in one direction or another. 
So I, I write, we need a socialist correction, not socialism. So again, don't want to go into politics, but this one applies to both sides. So imagine that we're trying to avoid a world in which a few people have everything and the rest of the people have nothing. Now, am I talking about capitalism that's out of control? Or am I talking about socialism that's out of control? That's the beauty of the story. It is both. Both things that both sides are fighting against is an oligarchy, right? It is where you have, in capitalism, you got this whole thing on the, on the left where they're like, oh, it's going to be 1% of 1%. And, everyone, and they're going to have all the money and everyone else is going to suffer. Well, that's their opinion. Then you have on the left, on the on the left, or on the right, they're basically saying, "Look, if you get socialism in here, then the people will have nothing, and then you'll still have, just like in in Russia and in China, you still have the people at the top with, who are billionaires. China has more billionaires than the U.S. does now, and it's a communist country. How the hell do you have billionaires? So." you still end up with lots of people having nothing and a few people having most of it. So the cool thing about this is we just need to find a middle where you have enough freedom and enough regulation and, uh, and standardization to, uh, to thrive in an optimal way. But if you go too far this way, you end up with the same problem. And if you go too far the other way, you end up with the same problem. So it's like it wraps around and meets at the bottom. Um, all right. Nonpartisan, but enough politics. Um, next one. Amazon Echo attack that could cross the bridge between consumer and industrial. So I love this idea. Um, I talk a lot about um, ICS and SCADA security at work. And uh, one thing is like, well, could you take a minimum vulnerability and turn it into something major, which is something I've done uh, throughout my career in pen testing. It's, it's a fun thing when you have a whole bunch of small vulnerabilities or a couple mediums or whatever, and you turn that into uh, something major, into a critical, right? You compromise data or whatever. Well, that's interesting. The other interesting thing is the bridge between IoT on the consumer side and IoT on the industrial side and say, well, could you go from one to the other, right? Well, one idea I like is the whole Amazon Echo thing. You can now hook them up to your thermostat, right? So I could do that right now. If I, if I were to talk to my device right here, I won't say her name, she gets freaked out. But if I were to talk to her and say, you know, raise the temperature, in the room, or I can actually just say set the temperature to a given temperature. Well, what if five years down the line, 100 million people own those, these devices, right? And let's say it's in the US, 100 million people. That's too many, but let's just say. And let's say that it's uh, July and it's a crazy summer. And five people, five, one, two, three, four, five, decide to go to Los Angeles, New York City, San Francisco, Chicago, whatever, 
and nine in the morning. So let's say 6 a.m. East Coast or whatever, uh, or maybe 12. Well, it doesn't matter. You find a time when most people are broadcasting, right? In a public setting. So like Times Square, whatever's in L.A., um, on the Embarcadero, whatever. And you've got these big TV networks. And you run up and you say, I'm not going to say it because it'll set mine, but you say, you know, device, set the temperature to 40 degrees, right? You tell it to set it super low to super cold. So every single, <laughs> every single device that is listening, uh, that can be heard from a TV playing inside their homes. So if the device can hear it, the home uh, inside the house, it activates. So it's going to be a smaller percentage, right? It's going to be a small percentage. It's going to be like, whatever, there's 100 million devices, let's say half or a quarter. But let's say those turn on all at the same time in the middle of summer and they set temperatures to 40 degrees inside the house, which is just cranking on the, uh, on the ACs. Well, that could cause a power outage. That could overwhelm the industrial power grid by, by suddenly, very, very suddenly spiking uh, the requests for, for all those systems to come on at the same time. Um, and you could do the same thing with lighting. You could do the same thing with, I don't know about heating, but it, think of ways that you could transition from a home system. Usually it's all about scale to transition to the industrial system. So and the, what if this was part of an attack plan by say a, a state agency or a state actor? Just something I thought was interesting. All right. Google team study. Oh, this is fascinating. So, so basically Google just did a study and I could go on for half an hour about just this by itself, but Google just did a team study where they looked across hundreds of teams at Google to find what the most um, efficient and effective and successful teams were. And they, they studied it for, you know, GPA, you know, what college did you go to, you know, what's your IQ, like whatever data they had they were looking for, right? Um, they found no trends. They found no, no correlations with any of these data points. Um, they're like, what the hell? So finally, they, they decided to look at management. So they look at management and they find some teams perform really well based on a management structure and others don't. So what was the structure that performed well? Turns out it's the idea of support. It's the idea of safety inside of the team. When the leader makes everyone on the team feel safe and basically allows them to have weaknesses, to show their, their insecurities, to fail, and, and be brought back up and picked back up by their team. And the, the leader protects them from the outside, basically gives them a sense of complete comfort and safety. And it allows the transition from work to home to be less of a, of a transition. 
You're not going into work and getting battle-hardened because you're dealing with enemies who are on your team. You're just, it's like extended family. And you care about them. They know about your personal life. You know about their personal life. You know that if you stumble, your, your uh, manager's not going to screw you over. Your, your peers are not going to screw you over. Everyone's going to pick you back up and dust you off, slap you on the butt and be like, all right, you know, rub some dirt on it, you know, put a Band-Aid on it. You'll be all right. And that sort of safety, that sort of feeling of security is, it turns out, what makes teams great. And trip me out because I was... I don't like basketball, but I'm currently watching basketball because of the Warriors. And it, this is how they run their team. They have a great time. They hang out after work. They know each other really well. They are not ego-driven. They are fun-driven. Fascinating stuff. And it turns out those are the teams that kick ass the most. And that's the Warriors, and they're dominating right now. So... Uh, that's just one data point. It's not, well, one anecdote, not a data point. But um, the Google stuff is definitely data. That, that is hundreds of teams looked at, and they came up with this universal conclusion. Um, RSA analysis. <clears throat> I did a post on it. It's in the show notes. But uh, basically what I saw at RSA was a lot of analytics. Uh, the idea um, with analytics basically being that we have all this crap out there and we don't know what to do with it. We don't know if it's useful. So somebody try and filter this stuff for me. I think this is the future of IT. I actually think it's kind of the future of everything um, because basically there's too much information in the world, too much data, too much content to be consumed. I think the biggest trend for the next, I don't know how often um, or how long, probably for the next decade or something, is curation. It's the idea of experts receiving all of your content for you and then presenting you only what it knows you should care about. Um, this is powerful. This is, you see so many services, so many products focused on doing this. And uh, that that's kind of what this whole analytics push is about. It's like, don't give me work by presenting me with stuff. Instead, tell me exactly what I need to know based on your expertise. And that, that's really what it comes down to. The other thing, which um, I talked about last year as well, but I saw the same trend here. Um, the other thing is basically right now, most products, when you go to like uh, RSA or whatever, they're like, oh, give me all your data. Then we're going to analyze the data. Then come check out our GUI, right? So they're like, yeah, just point everything to me. You know, we'll, we'll create a storage, whatever for you. And it's all in our product. You, you will collect all the stuff. We'll run our secret sauce on it. 
And then we've got a GUI. You just come to this URL and you're good to go. Well, the biggest trend for security products is going to be that, excuse me, <clears throat> biggest trend for security products is going to be that uh, all those things are going to be broken up into pieces. Okay. You're not going to talk to 10 products on one row of RSA and they're like, give me all your stuff. Give me all your stuff. How many products do you are you going to have in a giant enterprise? And each one of them needs a copy of all your data flows and all your PCAP traffic and all your security events and all this crap? No, that's silly. What's going to happen is the enterprise is going to have a data lake. And the data lake is going to be one data lake, okay? When you buy a product, when you buy a product, the data lake will have faucets. And the faucets will be for certain types of events, for certain users, in certain situations, and the faucets will point to products. Now, the core of the product will not be the storage of the data. Core of the product will be the algorithm. The algorithm will read the content from these data faucets. It will perform its analysis. And then guess what? It will send it outside using a standardized metrics and data analytics format. It will send it to a third piece. So storage algorithm, and then the third piece, which is analytics and metrics. So there will be tons of companies that come out that are just analytics and metrics. They are the best at displaying stuff. They know how to display all different types of stuff. They have modules, they have plugins, they have all this crap, but it's really just, you know, breaking down a, a standardized protocol um, and then doing different cool visualizations around it. So your analytics and metrics dashboard will have tons of feeds coming in from all your different products, which are the algorithms running against your data, which is in one data lake. So one data lake, one visualization and analytics and metrics platform, and then lots of different security products, which are the algorithms that do the analysis. That is the future of security products. It will take time, but you'll, you'll see this sort of evolving as things go on. All right, that was ideas, updates, and discussion. Now, tools, talks, and projects. DNS POP. So this is an awesome project um, that uh, just came out. Um, let me see. I'm trying to... Uh, so it came out from Bitquark, and it's actually a project... Sorry, I was thinking about something else real quick. So, so it is a project um, that looks for subdomains. And uh, what Bitquark did was he went and pulled, um, he basically crawled the internet and did tons of analysis. I mean, just millions and millions of these hosts. Um, did some really cool optimization of the script that does the analysis. Um, and, and broke it down into the various uh, various most popular subdomains. And uh, I'm about to add it to Seclist, actually. Um, 
if I have not already. So it's a really, really cool project, um, DNS Pop, and it's by Bitquark, um, who's a super cool guy, uh, one of the top bug hunters in the world. All right, next one, Glass Reflections in Windows uh, OSINT. So that was bad inflection there. <laughs> Glass Reflections in Windows OSINT. So basically OSINT via looking at windows and seeing reflections. Um, reminds me of a song from Y, but anyway. Um, so basically there's an IOActive post recently where um, people take pictures from inside their hotel rooms. And what this uh, technique can do is tell you basically where you are, what hotel, where you are, and um, possibly what floor and even room that you're staying in. Uh, which means you should be very careful about what you're taking pictures of when you have reflections because it could tell you a lot about stuff. It could tell other people a lot of, a lot about where you are um, with some pretty crazy accuracy. Um, next one, let's, let's code a TCP IP stack. That's pretty cool. So uh, basically a blog post that talks about standing up a TCP IP stack and he's going basically one one uh, layer at a time. Um, so first one is like Ethernet ARP. Um, IRM, this is a GitHub project. Um, incident, incident response methodologies, pretty cool. Next one is DCEPT, D-C-E-P-T. Um, Active Directory Honey Token, tripwires basically. You put them in your Active Directory, people touch them, you get alerts. HTCAP, Recursive Web Application Scanner, crawls single page uh, SPAs in a recursive manner by intercepting AJAX calls and DOM changes. If you've ever done web testing and you've come across pages that the whole app works on one page and you just seriously want a table flip, evidently this is something that... Uh, you still can test it. It's just super annoying. But um, uh, this tool supposedly helps you deal with it. Um, Lumpy. I wonder if that's a misspelling. <laughs> Lumpy. Uh, open source big data and visualization. That's cool. Fenrir. Fenrir. I don't know. Uh, Linux, Unix, OS X. IOC scanner, indicators of compromise scanner. That's pretty cool. Sonar, DNS reconnaissance tool for finding subdomains. I wonder if uh, Bitquark saw that one. Um, and then Firmadyne, Linux embedded firmware dynamic analysis. Uh, this is actually pretty cool. You basically upload firmware and it does a whole bunch of analysis for you on it. Um, I think that's how it works. My buddy Craig Smith is actually doing a bunch of firmware stuff. And uh, yeah, really cool stuff. And uh, he said he said it was a pretty cool project. Um, he's actually got his own on GitHub. Uh, it's Craig Z28 on GitHub, GitHub I think. Uh, no announcements, I don't think, on this episode. Uh, miscellaneous, eating chocolate is associated with improved brain function. It's great news for me. And poor, poor sleep gives you the munchies. All right. 
I don't know why I have those there, but that's it for miscellaneous. And uh, thanks for listening. I will see you next episode. Take care.